This is an encore edition of the Hour of Intercession. Everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Thanks for listening today. This is the Hour of Intercession. I'm Pastor Joseph Parker. We invite you to look with us in the Word of God to begin with in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion, so he went to him. So, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, "Take care of him, and whatever what, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you." So, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. Verses 25 to 37, Luke chapter 10. Then looking briefly in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 1, starting at verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shipra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households for them. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Verses 15 through 22, Exodus chapter 1. Father, we thank you once again for 
the privilege, the honor, the blessing that is ours of being a part of your family, the family of God. Thank you, Father, for how that you saved us and pulled us out of the world and made us a part of your family. You adopted us. You made us brand new. And you've called us to be ambassadors for your kingdom that boldly proclaim your truth to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Lord, anoint us all afresh with the spirit of courage and boldness today. Empower us to boldly follow you, to boldly share the gospel, boldly be about the work of making disciples, and boldly be about the work of standing for life and standing against the tragedy of abortion. Help us to be faithful, to seek to always know your heart, and to follow your heart. We thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Hour of Intercession. Rick Robertson is our producer, and he's going to lead us in prayer at this time. Father, we pray for our listening family today that you would give them ears to hear what you say to them, and that they would not only hear it, but that they would cling to it, that they would live on it, they would respond to it in a way that would please you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rick. And thank you again for being a part of our listening family. Uh, as always, we appreciate you listening, and we continue to ask that you would please take time daily to pray for the ministry of the American Family Association and the American Family Radio Network. We very much desire and need your prayers. Hope that you'll do that. Uh, near the uh, outset of the broadcast today, I want to remind you once again, a book I had the privilege of writing is entitled A Pastor's Notes, God Calls the Church to Stand Boldly for Life. And amongst other things, it's a tool to help the church to be the effective church that God has called us to be involved in the work of standing for life and standing against the tragedy of abortion. How important it is that we as the church seek to know God's heart and God's mind on every issue and including the issue of life. And so this book is a tool to help help equip you and your church to be the kind of church that God is calling us to be especially in this post-Roe era. So, again, if you'd like to get a copy of the book that we had the privilege of writing, the title, again, is A Pastor's Notes, God Calls the Church to Send Boldly for Life, and you can get it in many different places, but in particular I want to share that you can get it through the AFA Resource Center. Resources.afa.net is the website. Again, that's resources.afa.net. We'd encourage you to get it for your own personal use to help equip you to be a well-equipped pro-life warrior, but also a tool to help you and your church family to become a, a pro-life rescue-minded church as well. Again, a good question for us to ask ourselves is, what does a pro-life church look like? Well, this is a book that can help you to get a better understanding of what God's Word has to say and what God is calling us to do in this post-Roe era. Today on the broadcast, we're looking specifically at the topic which actually carries the same title as the book, uh, or pretty close anyway. It's God Calls the Church to Stand Boldly for Life. And I would mention both as a pastor and just as a servant of the Lord, it is so important for us to seek to know God's mind and heart on any and every issue. And the life issue is a huge issue in our culture and in our world today, and how tragic, it is, how tragic it is that we live in a world where many people have been convinced that killing babies is okay. Too many people think that murdering babies is not a big deal, that they say the babies have no rights. Well, again, it's important that we understand God's Word is eternal, 
It always has been and always will be the most accurate guide in life for any and all people everywhere and in all circumstances. And God says very clearly, you shall not murder. And it doesn't say under certain circumstances, there are exceptions. It says clearly, you shall not murder. Murder is taking innocent life. And so it's important that we as God's people know and understand that. So today on the broadcast, I'm going to be sharing a number of articles that we wrote, some of which are found in the book and some are not. But one of the things I want to encourage you to do is email us and ask for each of the articles that we share. If you would, by title, or if you just want to say, well, I want to get all of the articles, that's fine. But one of the goals in my sharing the articles is both to help you to clearly understand some important issues that are related to or surround the life issue from a Bible perspective. But also, if you get the article, it's a tool not only will you have to help prepare you to be a well-informed biblical pro-life warrior, but it's something we're encouraging you forward it on to friends, family, others that you know need to understand God's truth about the life issue. So our goal is that you'll get the articles, that you'll get all the articles that we share Email us and let us know you'd like to receive them, but use them, keep them yourself, but also forward them to any and everyone the Lord puts it on your heart to share with. This first article is entitled The Bible, Life, and Abortion, and of course it lays out a biblical foundation for God's mind and heart on the life issue. Again, the title, The Bible, Life, and Abortion. What exactly does the Bible say about life, standing for life, and the abortion issue? Does it say anything about these issues, or is it silent? Does it tell us anything about God's perspective and thinking about life and the taking of the life of innocent children? Actually, the Word of God has a lot to say about these issues. Do you want to know God's will and thoughts about these matters? Just look in his book. One definition of abortion is the deliberate murder of a child in the womb of its mother. Another definition is the taking of the life of an innocent baby. The following are passages from the Bible that give us God's counsel, his thoughts, and his will concerning life, abortion, and the taking of innocent life. Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 19 and 20 tell us, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days, that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. Again, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20. Then Exodus chapter 20, verse 13 tells us, you shall not murder. Again, Exodus 20, 13. Proverbs 24, verse 12 tells us, rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, Behold, we did not know this, does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? Again, Proverbs chapter 24, verse 12. Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. Again, Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 1 through 5 tells us, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Say to the people of Israel, Any one of the people of Israel 
or of the strangers who sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his children to Molech, shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. I myself will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given one of his children to Molech to make my sanctuary unclean and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do at all close their eyes to that man when he gives one of his children to Molech and do not put him to death, then I will set my face against that man and against his clan and will cut them off from among their people, him and all who follow him, in whoring after Molech. Again, Leviticus 20, verses 1 through 5. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 31 tells us, You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abominable thing that the Lord hates, they have done for their gods. They, for they even burn their sons and their daughters in the fire to their gods. Again, Deuteronomy 12, 31. Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 20 through 21 tell us, And you took your sons and your daughters, whom you had borne to me, and these you sacrificed to them to be devoured. Were your whoring so small a matter that you slaughtered my children and delivered them up as an offering by fire to them? Again, Ezekiel 16, 20, and 21. Psalm 106, verses 37 through 38. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Again, Psalm 106, verses 37 and 38. Jeremiah 32:35 tells us they built the high places of Baal in the valley of the son of Hinnom to offer up their sons and daughters to Molech though I did not command them nor did it enter into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin again Jeremiah 32 and 35 then 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 22 and Matthew 2, 16 through 18, God's word tells us of two governmental leaders. We can pick up there on the other side. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession as we're sharing some articles that specifically address the life issue and share the mind and the heart of God on the issue of life. We'll be right back. Then everything else just falls in line 
music of Toby Mac with It's You. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. Today we're looking at the topic, God Calls the Church to Stand Boldly for Life, and we're sharing from articles that we've written that address the life issue from a Bible perspective. And so sharing from an article entitled, The Bible, Life, and Abortion, we pick up close to where we left off. In Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 22, and in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18, God's Word tells us of two governmental leaders, two kings who for sad, cruel, and selfish reasons gave orders to slaughter innocent little boys. By their power and authority, their orders were carried out. Tragically, we still have governmental leaders who continue to approve of killing innocent babies in the womb. This is not an exhaustive listing of the scriptures that speak to the life issue, standing up for life and standing against abortion. These are just a few, but they're enough to help you see what God clearly thinks about the issues concerning life. What should be our response to the insights God's word gives us of all his of his will, his perspective and his thoughts on these issues? A wise and correct response on the part of believers in the church is that we will get passionately involved in aggressively standing for life. What can believers do to walk out a passion and commitment to the cause of life? Here are a few ways to get involved. Number one, find your local pregnancy center and volunteer your time to help their ministry. Give financially to one or more local pregnancy centers. Pray for the ministry of pregnancy centers. Inquire about the possibility of your church putting the local pregnancy center into its local budget. Number two, take the time and effort to research and learn about, a, about active pro-life ministries that are doing significant work to stand for life, save babies, or help to end legalized abortion. Number three, educate yourself about every facet of the issues surrounding life and abortion. Sadly, there's much ignorance, apathy, and misinformation about the life issue and about abortion. Great is the need for the church to become educated spiritually and otherwise about the issue of life and the need to get involved. Your help is greatly needed in this battle, and every day counts. Can God count on you? Father, we thank you for every believer listening. Thank you, Lord, for the work you've called each one of us to, the different sides of the work that you're calling us to as the church in being involved in the work of standing boldly for life and standing against and helping to end the tragedy of abortion in our nation and in our world. Lord, anoint us afresh. Flood us as your church afresh with the spirit of grace, boldness, and courage to boldly go forward, to boldly stand for life, to boldly stand against abortion, to do what we can to support the work of pregnancy ministries and other pro-life ministries that are out there on the front lines helping to address this issue as the kingdom of God calls them to do. Help us all to be to do our part. Help us to pray daily for the work of standing for life, for the church, for pregnancy ministries and other pro-life ministries. And help us, Lord, to give financially to help support the ministries as you'd have us to. Help us to volunteer to be a part of the work of some of these ministries, sidewalk counselors and others. There's so much work yet to be done. Help us, Lord, to be looking for ways that we can get involved in this work of helping to save your precious babies. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. The next article that we want to share is entitled, The Dangerous Idol of Abortion. 
Again, the dangerous idol of abortion. Why is legalized abortion so important to so many people? Sadly, many people have made abortion an idol. They quote-unquote worship the golden calf of abortion and are willing to fight tooth and nail to keep it in place. For a lot of people, abortion is a big money-making business. For others, it's an easy way out of a difficult circumstance. Many people want to keep it in place so they can keep their financial benefits, while others depend on it as a quote-unquote convenient tool to use whenever and however they quote-unquote need it. The support is significant to keep the idol of abortion legal, so their perspective is, don't you dare even think about overturning Roe v. Wade. And of course, this article was written before the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I believe that we, the church, should be diligent and passionate about faithfully doing at least five things. Number one, stand firmly on the truths of God's word and trust the Lord. Number two, pray without ceasing in spiritual combat. Number three, faithfully and passionately support and stand with the work of pregnancy clinics. Number four, faithfully speak out against abortion and have events that speak passionately about the life issue. And number five, listen to the Holy Spirit as to what else we need to do to boldly stand for life. What should be the church's stand on the life issue? How should we decide what side to stand on? Well, the answer is actually very simple. What does the Word of God say? In Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, we read, You shall not murder. This is very clear and to the point. Murder is the taking of innocent life. Too many in our culture, including persons in the church, are taking the word murder and substituting it with words like abortion, reproductive rights, and euthanasia. They seem to want to believe that murder is okay if you call it by one of these substitute names. Yet whatever name you give the act of taking innocent life, it is still clearly wrong according to the word of God. Abortion is a sin. We are also told in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between, the, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Now, of course, we serve a merciful and forgiving Heavenly Father. In 1 John chapter chapter 1, verse 9, we are told, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Without question, if we confess and repent of sin and ask for his forgiveness, he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is full of mercy and loving kindness. If we simply come to him and bring this matter, he will receive us, Forgive us and heal us. May we, the Church of Jesus Christ, not rest until the idol of abortion is torn down and destroyed. Again, this article is entitled The Dangerous Idol of Abortion. And again, we're encouraging every single listener, email me at joseph at afr.net. Again, joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share each of the articles that Uh, we're sharing on the broadcast today. Again, our hope is that you'll have them to go back over them yourself as a reference tool, but also that you'll forward and share them with others that really need to know and understand God's truth and God's perspective on the life issue. The next article is entitled, Sex Trafficking and the Abortion Industry 
Evil Twins. Again, the title once again, Sex Trafficking and the Abortion Industry, Evil Twins. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 tells us, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And in this first part of the article there, testimonies from five uh, precious women who were rescued out of sex trafficking, and they share pretty hefty, tragic testimonies of what they went through in the midst of being involved, in the midst of being captured in the tragic world of sex trafficking. Again, these are testimonies of women who were rescued out of the tragedy of sex trafficking. Number one, when my trafficker found out any of his girls were pregnant, he would take us outside and beat us with a pipe around our stomach and abdomen until we miscarried. This happened to me four times. I never carried a pregnancy to term. Number two, and let me just mention too, uh, these are pretty hard to listen to, but this is the real world and it reminds us the cruelty that's connected to the tragic sex, tra- sex trafficking world and the world of abortion. Again, they're heavily connected. The second testimony says, I was trafficked when I was 13 and got pregnant six times. I was always taken to a clinic, by my, uh, to an abortion clinic by my trafficker and forced to have an abortion. The third testimony, before he started trafficking me, my trafficker took me to a clinic. He, he pretended to be my uncle and had the doctor and had the doctor administer depro depo provera to me. I got intermittent depo provera shots from the time I was 13 throughout the time I was trafficked until I was 23. The next testimony says, my trafficker advertised me as someone who would not be using a condom, and so after a weekend of being sold at upscale hotels, he would force me to take Plan B. I had Plan B so many times that I had gynecological problems for five years after I got out. And the the final testimony, I was trafficked when I was a child. I had so many abortions and was back out on the track again right afterward and had so many untreated infections that I developed scar tissue, PID, and ultimately had to have a a hysterectomy. The pain of not being able to have a child now that I'm happily married is too great to describe in words. What you've just read are real accounts of women who survived sex trafficking, yet experienced forced abortions by their captors. Sadly, this happens too often right here in America as well as in other nations. Modern-day sex slavery is what sex trafficking is, amongst other things. It, it is evil, wicked, and devastating in so many ways for the victims. Yet sadly, the tragic and very wicked industry of abortion is an evil twin to sex trafficking. The abortion industry works hand-in-glove with sex trafficking as one aids and abets the other. Many are the victims of both hideous and dark industries. It is so critical that we, the Church of Jesus Christ, recognize and passionately mobilize to aggressively work to end both tragic industries. In the Gospel of John, in chapter 10 and verse 10, we're told, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might 
that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. These two tragic industries, sex trafficking and and the abortion industries, represent the epitome of what the devil seeks to do to all human beings on this planet. It's true that he seeks to steal from, kill, and destroy all people. The Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to all these and all the other ills of our world. We, the church, are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. We are called to pray diligently and passionately for the ending of the work of both these dark industries. However, it's so important that we understand that we pray and then we get up and do what we're called to do to help end these tragic works of darkness. Where does the church start? A great starting place is educating yourself and your church family about these works of darkness. Research and find out about ministries that are on the front lines coming against these two dark industries. Look at the websites of Christian ministries that are working faithfully to combat sex trafficking. Typically, they're well prepared to help educate believers about the dark organizations that are involved with sex trafficking. Also, pray for these ministries and give to them financially to help them carry out the vital work and mission that they're called to. Help to sponsor Bible studies or workshops or events that can serve to help educate your church family about the issue of human sex, human and sex trafficking. Find out ways to help extend the educational reach of these ministries. Also, learn more and much more, so much more of, of what the Ministry of Standing for Life is all about. There are many great ministries that are doing great things to help the cause of life and standing for life. Pregnancy Help Centers are ministries that provide free help to women who find themselves expecting a child at a difficult time in their lives. Praying for pregnancy centers and giving financially to help them carry out their mission are two great things many believers can do to help. Volunteer your time and or help to give baby items such as diapers, baby bottles, baby clothes, etc. to the clinics. You can pray for women who go to abortion clinics to change their minds and keep their babies. Many people would be surprised at the number of women who go to abortion clinics to get abortions, but change their minds and decide not to abort. This is the result often of the people of God praying behind the scenes. Believers can volunteer and be trained to be sidewalk sidewalk advocates who work outside abortion clinics. The Lord uses people who stand and pray share pro-life brochures, and who are simply there to help women to choose to keep their babies instead of aborting them. They also very often help women see that choosing to place their baby up for adoption is a very good, noble, and fruitful option instead of abortion. There are also many other great ministries that help to address many sides of the pro-life cause. Prayerfully decide to get involved where the Lord wants you to get involved. Whatever you do, Don't stand on the sidelines. There's too much work to be done for any of us to do that. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, there are three persons who represent the church. They are the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. We'll pick up there on the other side. You're listening to the Hour of Intercession. As today we're looking at the topic, God calls the church to stand boldly for life. We'll be right back.
bring it all to peace The storm surrounding me Let it break At your name Still Call the sea to still The rage in me from the group Mosaic with Tremble. Thanks for listening to the Hour of Intercession here on American Family Radio. We're looking today at the topic, God Calls the Church to Stand Boldly for Life. Father, thank you again for every believer listening. Thank you for every church represented. Thank you for every person that desires to be used by you to accomplish your will in the great work of standing for life and helping to save precious little children from the tragedy of abortion. Lord, more and more, open our eyes to see what a wicked thing abortion is and, of course, a wicked thing human trafficking is and help us to better understand, Lord, that the two work together to accomplish dark purposes. Help us as the church, as individual believers and collectively the church, to never, ever support anything that's connected to the tragedies of abortion or sex trafficking, but help us to be a part of the solution, which is Jesus Christ and his church as we love people into the kingdom of God and out of the kingdom of darkness, as we rescue people out of the kingdom of darkness and draw them into the kingdom of light. Lord, help us to be looking for ways we can be used by you to help address both of these tragedies and bring the solution of the word of God and the will of God, the solution Jesus Christ to help address and fully overcome these two tragedies. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. We do pray. Amen. We're continuing uh, to share uh, the article entitled Sex Trafficking and the Abortion Industry, Evil Twins, picking up. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, there are three persons who represent the church. They are the priest, the Levite, and the Samaritan. Read Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. In the parable, a traveler has been attacked, beaten up, robbed, and left severely wounded on the side of the road. The priest comes along, sees the wounded man, and passes by on the other side. The Levite, too, comes along and sees the same wounded individual, and he, too, passes by on the other side. Yet the Samaritan comes along and sees the wounded man and reacts very differently. He stops, seeks to nurse the man and his, inju- and his injuries, and helps him to a place where he can receive further help and attention. He also spends money to help see after the man's needs. The Lord Jesus very specifically told the lawyer and all the rest of the church to go and do, not as the priest or the Levite. Christ told us to do as the Samaritan did. He told us to sacrificially love our brothers and sisters in need. Brothers and sisters, let us love the Lord enough to do what he says. Again, the title of that article was Sex Trafficking in the Abortion Industry, evil twins. And 
Once again, if you'd like to get a copy, we encourage you to email us at joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. The next article is entitled Life and the Litmus Test, and this one is found in my book, A Pastor's Notes, God Calls the Church to Stand Boldly for Life. Again, this article is entitled Life and the Litmus Test. The term litmus test is used very often in our political culture. One definition of a litmus test is a test that uses a single indicator to prompt a decision. It's a tool that many politicians and people use to select who or what they'll support. Normally, a litmus test involves a matter about which people have very serious and strong convictions. So, should people who consider themselves to be believers in Jesus Christ have a litmus test about supporting life and taking a stand against abortion? Should they use such a test to decide whether or not to support and vote for a political candidate? The answer is a profound yes. Though litmus tests are usually frowned upon because they tend to be oriented around a single factor, there are reasons for their use that are simple and profound, especially when considering the issue of life in the context of the abortion debate. For instance, one of the Ten Commandments clearly says, You shall not murder. Exodus 20, verse 13. This commandment is very clear and straightforward. Bear in mind that the Word of God does not change. Even if you choose to use words or terms like abortion or a woman's right to choose or reproductive rights or euthanasia, etc., it's still, it is still murder. Changing the name or terms of how you describe what's taking place doesn't make it anything but an act of disobedience to the will of God. No matter what you call it, it is still murder. If a leader is not willing to stand up to protect and respect the life and civil rights of the most innocent and helpless of his or her own citizens, what does it matter what that leader believes about the economy, job creation, foreign policy, or anything else? If a given person is dead, none of these issues matter at all to that individual. If a, candidate, if a candidate believes that an entire segment of the population can be legally murdered, what does that say about that candidate's character? Doesn't it actually say a lot? And if that candidate thinks it's permissible, even desirable, to slaughter one particular group legally today, what might he or she think tomorrow? Isn't it possible that the candidate who favors murdering the unborn today may decide that it's acceptable to destroy a segment of our population that includes you tomorrow. Think about it. Sadly, this has happened too many times in history. So if a particular candidate is not willing to stand up and boldly defend the most innocent and helpless citizens of their nation, what does that tell you about that candidate's character? Should believers have a litmus test for deciding whether or not to vote for a particular candidate? I would say no question about it. Yes, we should have a litmus test for life. Again, the title of that article, Life and the Litmus Test. And then uh, an additional article is entitled The Dear Parent Letter. The Dear Parent Letter. And once again, we're encouraging you to email us at joseph at afr.net to get a copy of each of these articles so that you'll have them as well as be able to forward and share them with others who may need to hear a Bible perspective on the life issue on these matters. Again, the title of this article, The Dear Parent Letter. She called out of the blue 
My parents have scheduled for me to get an abortion. The abortion is scheduled for tomorrow. I want to keep my baby. Can you help me? Shay was 17, still in high school, still very much dependent on and under the care of her dad and mom, and she was desperate. How she got our our phone number, why she chose to call us, how she was funneled to us, to this day we don't know. The best explanation, it seems, is God's grace, his sovereignty and the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction. She called and was crying out for help. She lived in in another state across the country from where our ministry, the American Family Association, is located. What could we do? In considering Shay's situation, many people in our country do not realize that it's against the law for anyone, a parent, a guardian, a boyfriend, or even a husband, to try to force or or coerce an abortion. If a mother is carrying a baby, whether she is 14 years old or 34 years old, and wants to have her baby, it's against the law for anyone to try to force or coerce her to abort her baby. The law is clearly on the mother's side, no matter how young that mother might be. We immediately emailed Shay a copy of the Dear Parent letter that same day. We had her cell phone number. So the following day, after not hearing from her right away, we called her back. We wanted to follow up and check on her. Shay answered the phone. She stated that she was at the abortion clinic at that very moment. Her mother had taken her. I thought to myself, why didn't you show your mother the letter before you went to the clinic? But I didn't share my thoughts with Shay. I encouraged her to still show her mother the letter. We then ended our conversation. Later in the day, Shay called back. I listened to her share the story of how her day went. She said, we didn't get an abortion. I showed mom and the people at the abortion clinic the letter. The clinic workers let us know that they could not do the abortion in view of my not wanting to have an abortion. Mom was not happy, but the abortion didn't happen. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Shay went on to say, they did an ultrasound on me. We found out that I was carrying twins. Praise God. The Holy Spirit used the courage of a young lady and this simple letter, the dear parent letter, that day to save not just one, but two babies. I would encourage every reader to do this and to do it today. You can read the Dear Parent letter below. Get a copy of it, then read it, then read it again. Then pray and ask the Lord who you should send this letter to, either by email or hard copy. Many people, many parents, pastors, youth pastors, high school principals and counselors just don't know that this is the law in all 50 states. If the mother wants to keep her baby, it's against the law for anyone parent or boyfriend, husband or anyone, to try to coerce her to get an abortion. It's also true that many pregnancy clinic employees, sometimes sidewalk counselors and the like, they don't know the law either. Finally, even many persons in law enforcement don't know the law in this particular matter. I would encourage you to pray about who you should send a copy of the Dear Parent Letter to, then send out at least 12 copies or more to people you know who are in places of influence. If you do this, the Lord will use you probably to save the lives of many, many babies. Would you consider doing this? I trust that you will. And of course, the art attached to the article is a copy of the Dear Parent Letter produced by the Justice Foundation. Well, again, once again, we're encouraging you. We're encouraging you to get copies, of, uh, email us, and 
ask for copies of all the articles that we shared today because, again, one of our goals in sharing the articles on the broadcast today is both that you would be further informed, but also so that you'd email us to get copies because these are uh, tools, resource tools to help help you be better informed about the life issue from a Bible perspective. But also, again, we're encouraging you to forward them to family, friends, people in places of influence as well because there's so many, even believers, that don't really understand the life issue from a Bible perspective. And the fact is, as believers, Everything we, we do should begin and end with the Word of God. Father, stir us as a people to be more and more committed to being hearers and doers of your Word. Help us know that we're to see everything through the lens of your precious and powerful Word. And help us to be committed to being faithful hearers and doers of your Word as well. We thank you and praise you. Empower us more and more to be the bold church standing for life you want us to be. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, as we usually do, before we end the broadcast, if you're listening today and you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is a wonderful day, a great day to be saved. If you'd like to make that step, would you simply pray this prayer with us even now? Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me with an everlasting love. You love me so much that you came to this world a long time ago. You lived. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins. Three days later, you rose up from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord, I confess, I've sinned and done wrong in many, many ways. Lord, I repent and turn from all the wrong I've done. Forgive me, Lord, for all the wrong things I've done. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. In the Bible, you told us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lord, right now, I'm calling on your name. Lord, save me. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you all my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you... Uh, pray that prayer. We very much would like to be in touch with you by way of email. Once again, my email is joseph at afr.net. Again, that's joseph at afr.net. We'd like to share with you some literature and resources that are going to help you to begin to grow and grow strong in your new walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we very much desire to hear from you. Once again, that email, joseph at afr.net. And just a reminder, once again, if you want to get a copy of any of the articles that we shared on the broadcast today, we're glad to share them. We want to share them with you. Again, simply email us once again, joseph at afr.net. And just state, I'd like to get all the articles that you shared today on the broadcast. We're glad to share them. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for the Hour of Intercession.
The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.